Um, like to ask Karita to join me at the front. Ah, there you are. You're already at the front. Sorry for saying your name wrong. I focus so much on your surname that I forgot the easy part. Um, yeah, so it's a privilege to have Karita here from Live Village here this morning. And yeah, we're, we're really so encouraged by what you guys do. And yeah, just want to honor you and your husband and everyone on that side for that. And yeah, let's just welcome her just again this morning, just as she starts. Amen. I don't blame you for getting my surname wrong. My, my parents still struggle after 10 years of being married. Uh, but it is so lovely to be with you guys this morning. And it's such an honor. And I know Debbie is not here. But I, I, I messaged him and I said, we count it such a privilege to be here. And such an honor to be part of your amazing series of Marching March. And um, we truly pray that it will be such a beautiful time for you as a church and as a community. And you also... Like you've heard, I'm part of Live Village. Uh, I count that as a, as a big honor. And at Live Village, we hold Shofar Church very dear to our hearts. I don't know how many mission teams we have hosted over the last few years. Um, we love when Shofar comes, especially to entertain our children. Holidays can be quite handful, um, but uh, it's always beautiful to, sh- to host the Shofar teams. But Shofar also holds a very close uh, part of my heart. On the 5th of March, 2005, I gave my life to Jesus at Shofar Stellenbosch. Um, massive life-changing moment for me. Uh, I remember even then, we came to the front to give our life to Jesus. And, the, and as I sat down, they said, who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And before they could finish the sentence, I was already there. And I remember praying in tongues, driving back to Cape Town, just laughing, thinking, what just happened? Um, and that time you didn't have Shofar Cape Town, and I joined an amazing church, Life Church in Seapoint, and went on a radical journey with Jesus. And today I just want to share a bit of what we do and how we do it. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And I just clearly heard the word, just go be a witness. Just go witness what I'm doing, what I've done, and let the Holy Spirit needs to do what the Holy Spirit needs to do. So I'm going to do it in three parts. I'm going to do what do we do, why do we do it, and how do we do it. Is that okay? And so I'm going to start with the, with the first part of what do we do. And I think there's a photo of our founders. There's, that's Titch and Joan Smith, beautiful couple, 1997. The Lord gave him a radical vision for a children's village on top of a hill where they will have a father that loves them. They will have a mother that loves them. Um, they will come to know uh, God as their father in heaven. Uh, they will have a school to educate them. They will have everything that they need. It will also create jobs for the local community so they can sustain their families. The government will come and see why it works, and we will point them to the cross. And as he shared this with his wife, his wife thought he's absolutely lost it because they were not part of any community. And you know what? Joan was actually the first one to go into the community. She started feeding children underneath a tree with peanut butter sandwiches, and soon it grew to many, many, many community projects. And that was seven years in Amorti. And in 2009, the Lord said to them, it is time for the village. And so they hosted a big banquet in 2010, raised 
25 million rand, which was not even enough to build the village. And in 2009, you will see the next picture. That is the land that they bought with their own money. So the Lord asked him to build a village, and he said, Titch, you be the first one to go buy that land with your own money. And as they bought the land, they didn't have any more money, and that's why they did the banquet and raised the money. And then today, that's how it looks. And so that is an absolute miracle. And there is so much more to the story of how and how did the Lord do it, who he connected with, um, and, and if you want, there is a book available when Grace showed up that beautifully tells the story. But the, the, the essence of the story is that they were very obedient to what God has asked them to do. And as they took a step of obedience, the Lord provided. In 2011, the first moms and children moved on to the village. The first children came. And over the years, we have grown into a beautiful community. I think I've got some stats for you. We've got 160 children on site at the moment. Um, we've got f 51 children at universities. We've got 34 mothers that look after these children. And over the 12 years, we have reunited also 80 children with their families. And so that is what we've done over the last 12 years. Um, we, like I said, we also run a school on site. Our school is very unique. Um, like a parent, you will look for a, a school according to your child's academic need. In our school, we have loads of different academic needs. So we have to run five streams, face-to-face, -face, online, remedial, LSEN, and a technical stream. Because you never want to put a child in a classroom that is not according to their academic level. And so we have seen such amazing results if we altered our school into those five streams. Oh yeah, there we go. And there's a 203 kids in that school. Next slide. <laughs> the support. I cannot even tell you the massive support that we need around our children because any child that have just been removed from their mom or dad at birth has gone through trauma. And now imagine kids who have been years through trauma and the support that they need. So our therapy teams play such a big role. Our pastoral team plays such a big role. And we cannot do this village without them. And we have the most amazing people in those places. That is God-ordained, God-called, with the most amazing skills and talents to bring healing to here that is so vital for them to grow up. So those are a few things we do. Then we have also been very clever we have made sure that our kids stay very active in the afternoon. So we have so much sport. There is so much sport. Rugby, soccer, cricket, netball, hockey, basketball, music, choir, extra support. And it's also because when children are bored, they make wrong decisions. But we have seen also, as, as you put sport as a tool for character, music for a tool for character, oh, I can tell you so many stories of what sport has done for our children and it's beautiful you walk often in our village those basketballs are going in that hall when we wake up five o'clock we live across the hall you already hear the basketball going they get up four o'clock in the morning to do basketball in the morning so they absolutely love it and we love the village uh, also in our village our kids don't have phones and so there is a simple lifestyle on the village that we live by uh, next slide like we said, um, 
the, the little villages, they also to create jobs for the local community so that they can sustain a family. So we run training sites, we run businesses, um, we've got lift stores, we've got a warehouse that women come and buy um, clothing packets from us, and it's all to create jobs for the local community so they can sustain their families. And then, I think the next one is the video. Okay, so I think in an ideal world, I would love to take you all to Live Durban. I don't know if anyone been there before. Let's see. We got one, two, three hands. There's just something going there. And we always say, if you can, please come visit because it's very hard to describe that in a short sentence or in a few minutes. Uh, but this is a new video that we've made that will just give you a glimpse into the heart of the village.
but Lord, I'm not going to cry today. But anyway, <laughs> gets me every time watching that, just thinking, wow, Lord, what have you done? I've, I've personally had such an amazing opportunity to have a front row seat of the Lord and what he's done there. And you might think, how did this poor uncle end up on a Zulu village? And so it's, it's honestly, it's, it's been the most amazing journey. Like I said, I, I found a beautiful church in Seapoint that was so community-focused and, and really opened my eyes to, to more to life. And I worked a lot in Kalicha, Samora, Michelle, Philippi, did a lot of mission trips to Mozambique. And those were my training ground to, to what the Lord wanted to do through my life. And when Titch phoned me uh, in 2011 saying, why don't you come? I said, Titch, what do you want me to do? I said, I have no, he's no idea, but just come. And we'll work it out as we get there. And that's exactly what we did. Um, and it's been such a beautiful journey to see what the Lord has done. So when I moved on, there was literally just six houses and four moms and six kids. And to have seen how the Lord has built this village, to see how the Lord has brought the numbers, to see how the Lord has changed hearts. Like I've seen kids six, seven years old being raised up in the village, being released into universities, and all I can do is marvel at God. The, the things he'd done is actually beyond what we can ever express. And in the honor of also meeting my husband there, he's a volunteer that came over to get married on the village with all the moms and kids, and to raise my three precious children on the village, I count as a very rich woman. Um, you want to see the impact of the village on my children's life is so huge. And so you might ask another question, Krita, or if Tish and Joan was here, why do you guys do this? Why do we do what we do? And you might think it's because, yeah, we've got almost 3 million orphan and vulnerable children in South Africa, which means that is 17% of all the children in South Africa. And don't even get me started on vulnerable children. I've been long enough doing this to know there's not even stats on vulnerable children. Those are children who've got a mom and dad, but it's being abused, abandoned, neglected. We don't even have stats on that. We have 10,000 babies that get abandoned every year. And I will be as bold to say that a third of them are found dead. And do you know that 15, from our kids who are 15 to 24, only 67% of them don't have jobs. They don't have jobs. They sit at home. They sit in their communities. 7% of our country have a tertiary education. 7%. We have, you know, we have to wake up and, and see these stats and see these numbers. And we don't even have accurate stats yet of human trafficking. And I'm sure you all know about that bus that got caught there by Joburg with 52 children who are unaccounted for. Don't know why they're in that bus. But that is not why we do this. We do this because when we read this and we read the good news, the gospel, I am compelled to be an expression of this gospel to the world. I'm compelled to go and share the good news to people. And that might be an expression of serving orphan and vulnerable children. But that is the main reason why we do what we do. And it's because of the good news. It is because of the gospel. And the world is waiting for the church to rise up and be an expression of this gospel. Because when people come visit the village 
and they see what we do, we point them to the cross. That was the vision. Because it's not about actually orphan and vulnerable children. It's about Jesus and his heart and what he wants to do on the earth. And I love our slogan, rescue, restore, raise, release. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that your story? I was once an orphan, a spiritual orphan that was rescued by the love of the Father, restored, raised, and released. And we have seen many people come to the village as spiritual orphans. And I do believe there's a lot of spiritual orphans in the church that don't know that they have a heavenly father that loves them. And so what the village then does for those is that they cater and rescue them as well. And I think a lot of people find that in our children on site. They marvel at their story because that's actually what they want spiritually. Does that make sense? And so that is just for us. We do this because it's a demonstration of the gospel. So if, if this is a demonstration of the gospel, how do you then do it? How do you then partner with Jesus? Uh, I know I wrote up on there, by his grace and mercy, but as I was preparing this morning, the Lord said I must add one more thing. There's, there's two things that are so important to partnering with Jesus. The first one is, is obedient faith. And if we look at Titch and Joan's story, of even if I look back in my life, it's all about obedience. And normally you ask us something that is way about who we are, what we can do, our skills. We come from, guys, I come from Mombesberg, Oorskul, Swartland, and I'm living in a Zulu village. It just does not make sense. My husband is British. These are the two culture, the two groups that have oppressed the Zulus the most. And we're leading a Zulu village. But that is what the Lord has asked of us to do. We have to be obedient to his voice. If we look at Titch and Joan, it started with Joan feeding peanut butter sandwich underneath a tree. It didn't start with her getting 25 million rand to build a village. It started with small obedience steps to where they are today. If I, if, and the, the most encouraging scripture for me about obedient faith is Hebrews 11. We all know Hebrews 11 where they list all these incredible heroes in the Bible, what they have done for the Lord. And to be very honest, it is incredibly hard what we do. You might look at that vi video and you might think, oh, gosh, that looks phenomenal. And for every person that we interview, we say, Live Village looks like a playground, but it's a war zone. Because we are fighting for the souls of our children. And when you go and you express the gospel, you enter a war zone. Because the enemy does not like what we do. So constantly we are in a war zone. And you can easily get discouraged. You can easily feel, Lord, I don't know how to do this. But then I turn to Hebrews 12. And I don't know if you want to turn there. This is now after they've listed all these heroes in faith. And I love what the, the author says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race 
marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such position from sinners so that you will never grow weary and lose heart. And when I close my eyes in moments where I feel, oh Lord, gosh, I, I do not know what to do. I do not know how to get through this. I see a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And those are just the people in the Bible. Think of all the great heroes that went after them, that we can read up about history, cheering us all on to continue this walk of faith. And one thing why we also is so about obedient towards Jesus, because if you do it for man, if you are obedient because you have a heart for orphan and vulnerable children, you have a heart for the poor, you want to do it for people. You're going to be let down because they are people. But if you do it for Jesus and you do it because you want to be obedient to his voice and express the gospel, you will find fulfillment. You will find joy. And as many times I've caught myself doing it for people. And that's when I get discouraged, weary, and tired. But every time I've kept my eyes on Jesus, doing it for him and for his glory, I will find joy and delight and he will never let me down. And it's so important. And this is something I felt very strongly praying into this morning. Is that the Lord has asked all of you something. An obedient step. But one of the tools the enemy uses so much is fear. Oh, I don't know how to do it. Oh, it's, it's, what will happen? What if I do this? It, fear comes so easily. And please identify when it creeps in. Because there... There's so many reasons why Titch and John shouldn't have done that. There's so many reasons why my husband and I shouldn't be doing what we're doing, raising our children at the village. But that is fear, and that's from the enemy. We are here to be obedient to his voice and his voice only. And the second thing that is so important when you partner with God is his grace and mercy. Grace, unmerited favor. Mercy, undeserving forgiveness and kindness and compassion. I, I cannot give you a theology on mercy and grace, but I can stand here as a witness to say I have seen it. I have seen grace and mercy over and over on the village where we go through things that I do not know how we got through them. Do you remember the looting? How do you feed 300 people if you can stand only in a line to get 10 items and all the suppliers? And that is a crazy testimony of God's grace and mercy because a week later we had 17 tons of food and we were helping 27 other NGOs. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy because it's not about me, it's not about love, it's about Him. And if we take, and that is the partnership. So how I see partnership with God is I spend time in His Word, I hear His voice. I take that obedient step and over me, covers me, is this grace and mercy that I cannot explain. I cannot explain that grace and mercy to you. And as we do that, what happens is the natural with the supernatural. Earth, heaven. And that is what we pray. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is for me a picture of partnership. Those two coming beautifully together where it's all about him, and it's all about him. And that is the story of love. It is Titch and Joan 
saying, Lord, use me, hearing his voice to build a children's village, taking that step of faith with their own money, doing something very courageous. And the Lord comes and he covers that with his mercy and his grace. And he provides a beautiful children's village that's continuing to stand till today and becoming a safe place for the expression of the gospel in children's lives. And that is partnering with the Lord. And if you're sitting here today and you do not know what the Lord is asking of you, I I get super excited listening to what's happening March in your church. Man, I wish... I wish even so many other churches can hear it because that is such a beautiful expression of the gospel. But maybe you sit here and you do not know, Lord, I don't know what you're asking of me. I haven't heard something. That's why I put the things about Acts here, and that's something we as a community are journeying. If you don't know what to do, just go see what the church and Acts did. Because they got it right, hey? They got it right. They focused on the teaching of the apostles, fellowship, prayer, and breaking of bread. So throw open your doors. Oh, we have a policy in our house. We have an open door policy. We, we, uh, I think we counted over December, January. We hosted over 100 people for dinner. Because so much happens on, over a table. Fellowship. Breaking the bread. Prayer. Te- talking about the teachings. So much happens around a table. Start there, throw open your home, and you will see what the Lord will do. And so I want to leave you with one last thing. The world is desperate for the body of Christ to be a demonstration of the gospel so that they can see the beautiful partnership between a loving father and his sons and daughters. And as we were praying Um, And we were asking for it. I wanted to keep it here because my husband always says the gospel's like a flame. And I see so clearly as you guys go in marching march that this massive flame is going to spread over Cape Town. As you go with the good news, the gospel, that flame will lit another and another and another and another. And so continue to carry that gospel as a flame in your heart to carry around Cape Town, and you will see what the Lord will do. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kavita. I appreciate just this word. Can we just give her a clap again <laughs> for that? Um, yeah. Really humbled, Nadia. You can, guys can come for, for worship. Really humbled just to, to see how... Um, yeah, just God just honors that obedience um, as we step into that. And maybe as we just um, close off and, and go into worship, um, someone can switch over the lights for Adam or I don't know who does that. But um, yeah, just want us to, if, if that word um, ministered to you, especially just being obedient, just come to the front, let the small group leader pray with you in that whatever area it might be and just start with that first step of obedience and yeah, with that Nadia you can because when I can ask a few small group leaders just to be in the front if there's 